morning, Eastside family and friends. So glad you could join us this morning. We're going to continue in John, our, our, our journey through John. We're, if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. We're going to go through 7, verse 7 through 12 here in just a second. I just wanted to remind you uh, how much you mean to Liz and I. We've been praying for each one of you uh, throughout the week, just that um, that you'd be at peace and and God's provision, uh, you'd recognize God's provision in your life and and uh, your hope would be placed in Him. And so our team has been praying for you and we're excited for what God is gonna do through this process. One thing I was, uh, as, as you look at different things uh, and different presentations from different folks, one of the things I see is it's almost like uh, this Christian powering up thing. and and. Um, and one of the things that I wanted us to focus on and recognize that we need to be doing, we want to, uh, our, our goal is to give you ways that you can be successful in this time, that you can grow in this time. Uh, we're trying to ask the Lord, Lord, what, what can we do to, to give people the tools to succeed during this time? And, and here, here's one of them. The way we power up is we focus and humble ourselves before God. We focus on Christ and what He can do. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your, disobedience, when your obedience is complete. And so we're just bringing everything to God. Proverbs 16:20 says this, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. So as we open up and as we begin to, to do the things that are actually going to be able to make us successful, we're going to study what happens in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, verse 7 through 12, there's a story of a woman who's caught in adultery. And I want you to think about that whole idea of being caught in, in, in sin. Uh, it, says, it says that she has this encounter with Jesus as they drag her out in front of him. It says... Uh, they kept asking and kept pressing uh, Jesus. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing there with him in his midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I am the light of the world. And then Jesus spoke again and he said this, something very important. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, 
but have the light of life. And so I've titled this morning's message, We Have the Light of Light, Life. I can remember in 1988 is when I came to the Lord. It was in March. Matter of fact, we just just finished my anniversary in the Lord, and and uh, I can remember this this uh, this feeling of of love, but this feeling of uh, being exposed uh, that 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 my that I've been caught. But at the same time, I remember feeling the mercy of God being overwhelming toward me. I was caught, but there was no condemnation. I was caught in a lot of things, and I had a, I had a choice at that moment. From that time on, from the time that I recognized the love of God, the mercy of God, I had a choice of whether I was going to follow Christ. I think it's so important that we recognize the fact, even if we've been in the church all our lives, that there, there's a point, not only do you get caught in your sin, but you have to make a decision that you're going to follow Christ. So important in these days and these times to recognize the fact that we need to marry ourselves with God. And we do that in several ways. We do that as, uh, uh, as an individual, as families, and as the family of God in a, in a corporate way. And I'm going to try to touch on all those things right at first. So the first thing that we've got to do as an individual is recognize that Jesus wants us, me, you as an individual, to follow him and his response to you just like it was the woman that was caught in adultery you go and you sin no more you go and you sin no more and at that moment we have a decision to make are we going to follow Christ because if we follow Christ we have the light of life in uh, Matthew chapter 19 verse 16 through 30 there's another story and it's the story of the of the lawyer and what the rich young ruler and it's called the lawyer and other other uh, areas or other translations but you have to understand that this was a this was a person that was well versed in the word of god and he comes to jesus and it says this in matthew behold a man came up to jesus saying teacher what good deed must i do to have eternal life and jesus said to him why do you ask me about what is good there's only one who is good if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he responded to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to Jesus, all these I've kept, what do I still like? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, Go sell what go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowfully, for he had great possessions. I'm gonna stop there for just a second. One of the things that I want us to understand is when we get caught, and we have to make a decision whether we're gonna follow Christ or not, whether we're gonna follow Jesus. It's never going to be easy. We don't know what the rich young ruler, we don't know what the young man, what his decision ultimately was. We just know that he went away sad because the, the choice that laid in front of him was a difficult choice. And he had to make a decision whether he was going to do what he liked or whether he was going to follow Jesus. 
And then Jesus says this to his disciples in this transaction. Truly I say to you, only the difficulty, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to, to all the disciples, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or family, father or mother, or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. You know, in this time, in this time that, that we are experiencing, you know, you, there's all kinds of opinions of how, what, what the influence of God is. And I just want to be really clear about this. I have, I have no doubt that no man can tell you everything God is up to. Um, but I do know this, God was not taken by surprise. There was nothing about what we're experiencing right now that, that is too big for God. In other words, he's not up there just saying, he's not saying to you and me, it's like, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with this. I'm not, I, did, I didn't see this coming. And you know, this is, this is really all too powerful for me. Or, you know, I, I don't know if I can handle this. God is, he, he's got this and he understood what was coming. And he's got, he's got a way out for the church. There's no question that God is doing several things. He, he is calling us to himself. He's, he's catching us in, in different positions. It, it's all over scripture how God does that. And he's asking us to respond. And everything that he's catching us in is going to be difficult. We're going to have a difficult decision and choice to make as we come and follow, follow Christ. And he's doing that on an individual basis. So he's purifying the church. He's purifying me. He's going to purify you. How? He points out the thing that we don't see. We see that with the woman when he says, where are your, where, where, where are the people that are uh, condemning you and neither do I condemn you? That is a beautiful thought that, that in that culture would have never been thought about. With the rich young ruler, the same is true for him. He, he was pretty proud of, of the things that he had accomplished. But Jesus put his finger on the very thing that he couldn't see. And I promise you, if you'll begin to ask the Lord what he's trying to do in your life as an individual, he'll put his finger on things that you might not even see. And he wants you to follow him in those things so he can purify you, so he can make you holy. That's one thing that I can be positive about that God is up to in this, in this time that we're living in. He wants to replace that thing that's in your life, this contrary to kingdom, with truth. He wants to replace those things that don't align with God's way of thinking. He wants to do that with truth. And so he's working on us as individuals. The next way he's working on us is, is through our families. You know, one of the things that I learned when I went to Israel, thank you church for 
sending Liz and I to Israel. It's still one of the most impactful things that we've ever experienced in our lives. But as I was there, what the you know people would ask me, you know, what stood out the most, and uh, other than the fact that I was walking where Jesus walked, which was which was amazing, and and, and Peter and and you know all the and John and all the disciples that followed Jesus, the thing that stood out about the culture was that God was the center of the family. And I can promise you that all through Scripture, God's will, God's desire is that He be the center of the family unit. He wants everything about the family to center around Him and His kingdom. And right now, you know, we've in the past, we've kind of distorted what the church's role was. Everybody, you know, uh, everybody would come to church to, to infuse the family with God, and, and that really isn't God's intent. God's intent for the family is for the man, the father, the husband, to, to, to know God, to know His Word, and to teach His children. He wants the mother to, to embrace her husband, and to engage in unity with her husband in teaching the children. Jesus wants us to teach our children about him. And God is teaching us that he wants us to make him the center of our families. Right now we have that opportunity. You know, last week I said, are you gonna take advantage of this? Is this something that you're gonna take advantage of, advantage of, excuse me. And I hope, I hope that when this time is over, that worry and fear and all those things hasn't been the thing that dominated your thinking or, or your heart. I, I'm praying, and Liz and I are praying, the staff is praying, that the thing that would dominate your heart is that you would become the family unit that God expects you to become, that God wills for us to be as the church, as He purifies the church. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. It says, listen, O Israel, listen, church. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves individually, wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. And then he says this, repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're driving in your car, everywhere you go, talk about the Word of God to your children. Why? Because it's in your heart. Because it's who you are. Because you've made God the center of your family. When you go to bed at night, when you're, when you're getting up in the morning, tie the Word of God on your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know, the whole intent from the very beginning when God gave His Word was it became the centerpiece of the family. It's not the church's responsibility. It's fathers. Men, I just want to challenge you today. There's a passage of Scripture that says, it says, you know, you, you, you should be teachers by now, and, but you're not. You're still on the milk. You know, what that's really uh, can be referring to is the, the thought that we're, we're the, the, the church 
is, is the milk. And, and you need to be teacher. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, the truth of the matter is, God requires you to be the teacher of your children. And so I, I encourage you in this time of, of, of spare time, in this time that you can press into God like never before, take that challenge. This week I found a Bible, my first Bible from 1988, and I probably had it for five years, but that Bible is worn out. It won't even stay together. Now I'm not saying that for, for uh, to elevate myself. I'm saying that is that I think that that is what God is asking all men to do. It's not because I was a pastor, it's because that's what God asked of me. And if God asks you, your answer hopefully will be yes. And so Matthew chapter 19, bringing this Deuteronomy passage of scripture to the New Testament, uh, Jesus is, is teaching and he's, he's uh, got all, kids all around him and families all around him and the children were brought to him that, that, that he might lay hands on them and pray and the disciples kind of kind of pushed the children away and Jesus said this, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid hands on them and then they went away. He tells us that the way to the kingdom is the way a child comes to their father. We're all reminded and we all can see <laughs> stories of you know, our kids and, and, and see films and videos and movies of how, how the kid is on the edge of the pool and he's, he's about to jump and the father's down in the pool saying jump, 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 jump. The, the kid is scared but finally he trusts the father enough to jump into his arms. That's the kind of thing that Jesus is asking us. He's saying, you've been caught, you've been caught. Where are those who condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Just come and follow me. Because those who follow me see the light. The thing that stood out in Israel in that journey that is that God was the center of the family. He wants ours to be the same. We should be teachers by now. All of us, fathers, mothers, teaching their children. We don't feel qualified, but God's asking you to learn and he's asking you to teach. Teaching challenges you to keep learning. And I promise you, you know more than a four-year-old. You know more than a seven-year-old. You know more than a 12-year-old. You can teach your children as you learn. Um, this is what I promise you. If you'll take this challenge, and if you'll actually do it, I promise you that you'll have holy moments in your family. I've got so many reports coming back about communion and how people did communion and how the Holy Spirit and the presence of God came upon families. It's the desire of God. And so he wants the family unit to center on him. And then once we get those two right, 
once we understand that he's dealing with us as an individual, once he, we understand what he's dealing with us as a family, then we're prepared to come into the corporate gathering. Because the corporate ga gathering is not the feeding trough. The corporate gathering is the church in a celebration mode, a church in an encouragement mode, a, a church that is testifying that we are walking in as a family the grace of God and we've seen that he is the truth, he is the way, and he is the life. And then when we come back together there's an explosion in that corporate setting and that's what the church is supposed to be. God is purifying the church. God is, is readjusting what we have defined as church in America. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says this, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitudes in your heart to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 19 says this, that you are to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. When we get out of this mess, when this thing is passed, the, the, the Word of God says, Man, you know it's nearer than it's ever been. Come together corporately. But you're going to come together corporately prepared because your family is in a whole different place. You're in a whole different place than you were before this thing started. Let this, let what the enemy wanted to use for destruction bring good. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29 says, Since we are receiving a, receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. In John chapter 4 verse 23 we read some of this last week but the time is coming indeed it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way for God is spirit so those who worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. And finally, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 says, until I get there, until Jesus comes back, or until the time comes when we're gathered again, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. God is up something. There's a great move of God that is possible in this time. I just encourage you to keep your focus. Pray for your families. Grow in the Word. Come together. Teach your children. Take your responsibility. Understand why God created the family and how He wanted it to operate. It's going to be difficult. He's going to, he's going to uncover. He's going to uncover those insecurities. And He says, come and follow me. I'm going to uncover. I'm going to uncover where you've been missing it come and follow me. He wants to do something in you as an individual and to you as families that's going to amaze you. There's great grace on your life. 
there's a possibility of the glory of God coming into our living rooms like never before. Take advantage of it. Use it. Use it to get revelation, get understanding of what Jesus is doing, at least a portion of what Jesus is doing here in this time. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you, Jesus, that that everything that you designed for the church and for the family to become, we have a chance to focus on like no other time in history. And I pray, Lord God, that we would see the urgency of you drawing us and calling us to yourself. That God, you're a jealous God. You're jealous of anything that would cause us not to experience your fullness in the way that you intended. So, Father, right now, while we can, while we're stopped, while while the enemy is trying to, to wreak havoc, God, we, the church, can rally around you. It's not anything that we can do. We can't flex our church muscle. What we do, God, is we humble ourselves before a God who has the grace and the power to overcome. So, God, we trust you. We trust your word, and we believe it, and we say As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen.